Welcome to the Elevate podcast. My name is Sarah Hopkins. And I'm Amanda Noga, and these are conversations to elevate your health, relationships, and soul. And before we get into this awesome episode, we really want to share with you some exciting news. We are about to launch our brand new and very first retreat, Elevate Retreat. And this will be on from the 2nd to the 6th of May in beautiful Bali. And it will be a combination of all of our experience and passions in health coaching, Ayurveda, yoga and meditation. And it is designed to elevate your health, relationships and soul. We would love you to join us. All the information for this will be in the show notes, so please come along. I am just jumping into your ears today before this episode to let you know that Amanda and I for season two have been recording in two separate locales. I'm here in Perth and she is in the beautiful Ubud in Bali. So there is a little bit of discrepancy between our voices, but we hope that you love and enjoy the show. Hey guys, it's Amanda here and this week Sarah and I are going to be talking all things fertility. This is a conversation I've been dying to record for ages. It's something that Sarah and I have talked privately about at length for years. We used to run a really fulfilling workshop back in my old studio and it was just so wonderful to see these women falling pregnant after following Sarah's prescriptions and guidance. There's lots to discuss. We're going to get straight into it, but basically what we're going to be talking about is everything preconception. So we're talking everything that you need to do to prepare the body and the mind for conceiving a child. So Sarah, how would you define I'm glad that you articulated that this is like a preconceptive conversation because as you and I have said before, there is so much just even in the prepping the body for fertility and for babies. And so in future episodes, we definitely want to expand on during pregnancy and then obviously postnatally because there's just all of those topics, I mean, we could probably talk about all of them for hours at length. So this one, yeah, we really want to focus on creating, I like to use the analogy of a garden bed and thinking about if you were going to prepare a garden bed for a beautiful veggie garden, you know, there's stuff that you would do. You wouldn't just throw some seeds in there and hope for the best. And the very same can be said for our fertility. We really need to think about that garden bed and think about the type of soil and the type of environment that we need to prepare in order to cultivate the healthiest vegetables, which ultimately are those little babies that we want to grow. So to come back to your definition of fertility, to take that bigger picture, I guess for me, fertility is the ultimate expression of health. So for me, being fertile as a woman, and I am speaking about women's health today, obviously, it's really about being healthy enough that you are menstruating and ovulating. Maybe this is oversimplifying things and and looking at things from a very sort of evolutionary perspective, but our biological imperative, so our physiological imperative is really to procreate. I really honestly believe that Being fertile and being able to conceive children is the ultimate expression of health. And I preface all of my fertility workshops with this. So I often say, even if someone doesn't want to conceive, the notion of fertility is bigger than just that act of 
conception. It's really about the body's ability to because that is the ultimate expression of our biological imperative. So having a healthy cycle. But obviously we're going to cycle into what we should do to create that perfect environment for a baby. I remember you saying to me, it's the two years before you have a baby that determine the health of that baby. And at the time when you said that to me, that was like a (laughs) jaw-dropping revelation because, yeah, I think most of us focus on you know, during pregnancy, really getting healthy and doing all the right things. But it's actually in those years and months prior that all of our best cultivation of that soil can be done, right? Absolutely. And I think, I guess, I feel like one of my, you know, purposes in this lifetime is to share the message of fertility. And I suppose I will share here my own personal journey because that was really the area, I guess, or that was my own journey of discovery, which ultimately led to me really cultivating a passion and being able to share my own journey and wisdom with other women and and helping so many now women conceive this way as well. So as I've shared in other podcasts, so I won't go into super long detail, from the age of about 25 to about the age of 35 didn't really menstruate. So, you know, I basically didn't have a period. I came off the contraceptive pill. I waited for my period to come back. I probably celebrated the fact that it didn't because let's face it, we all did. And after some time of not having it, I really started to feel deeply in my bones that something was super wrong Um, and we touched on this in the periods episode as well in season one and I suppose that was where my intuition really loudly spoke to me and said if you can't menstruate then you are not ovulating and if you're not ovulating then that is a sign that your body isn't healthy so when I started on my quest to heal my body really I really it was all around my fertility but I didn't look at it as that as such but that was I so I suppose my own fertility journey started when I was about 25 years old and it started by the absence of a period and and I just really intuitively knew that there was something really wrong with my well-being and with my body and with my health and that that needed to be rectified and I obviously wasn't thinking about children at all and that came later down the track and thankfully you know over those 10 years I learned about all of the things that I needed to do to nurture my body and ultimately those things were the things that created ovulation and menstruation and ultimately helped me to very easily conceive my little baby boy. I suppose my yeah, my experience of fertility and my passion for fertility is really has really come out of my own infertility issues that went on for a very long time. Infertility or absence of periods is something that a lot of women can relate to. I know you work with a lot of women specifically in this regard and I wind up working with a lot of women as well that are trying to balance their hormones in one way or another. So why do you think it's such a big epidemic right now that women are losing their periods and losing their eggs, so to speak. It's obviously a complex issue and there are so many things going on and hopefully this will segue into why it's really smart to, if you want a healthy baby and a healthy adult ultimately, 
you know, in the future that you prepare your body for the long term, like way before you think about conceiving. But I think that we have moved so far. Firstly, we've moved so far away from eating a traditional diet and I think we'll touch on that a little bit later. So that's the first thing is that our bodies are not being nourished with nutrient-dense foods. And then also, obviously, we are exposed to way too many stressors and those chronic low-level or high-level stress hormones really, really compromise the body's ability to conceive and basically shut down conception or shut down fertility to protect the woman from danger. And finally, we are repressing those natural cycles with pharmaceutical drugs for the most part, you know, the contraceptive pill or contraceptive devices, whether it's, you know, in, in, in our arms, like the, um, can't remember what it's called right now. I think it's called the Implanon. The Implanon, that's right. Or even the Marina, any of those intrauterine devices, the coil, you know, even ones that don't have hormones in them. We have moved so far away from what is uh, a healthy and natural way of living and uh, that way of living is really conducive to beautiful healthy babies and very easy conception and fertility and now I think it's one in five at the moment infertility women will experience infertility and last time I looked wow. at the stats, it was th- these stats are out of the UK and they are a couple of years old, so they might have changed. But it, it was predicted that it was it would be one in three by 2020, and we're 2019 for infertility. And so, I'm assuming that this is a study just on Western women. Exactly. So I mean, I know you know just looking around at friends and looking around at my you know, client base and and talking to women that, you know, it is probably every third woman that has had some problems conceiving. So to me, those statistics are already, you know, completely manifesting out. It is so common now for women to have to have some sort of assistance to conceive that, you know, we, we are actually rendering ourselves at the moment. I mean, this is a little bit doom and gloom but we are a lot of us are rendering ourselves infertile by the time that we do want to have children what would you say to a woman that you connect with whether it's you know in your in your one-on-one sessions or in a workshop where would you say is the best place to start when it comes to thinking about optimizing fertility oh my god I don't know where to start because so many things to say but I suppose so I guess you know, I, I love the fact that we now live in this world where we have all of this amazing technology and innovation and research at our fingertips, but we also have all of this ancient wisdom. And so I think mm-hmm. that we're in a really, really fortunate position and we need to bring those two things together. So, you know, w- what we know from a fertility perspective, for instance, is that there is something called the developmental origins theory. And basically what that is is that that is a relatively new phenomenon. I think it was developed or sort of, yes, yeah, started being um, hypothesised and, and, and researched in the 90s, I want to say 90s. And basically what that mm-hmm. theory stipulates is that 
the nine months of gestation are in fact the nine most consequential months of any human's life and that basically the that that gestational period so in utero though we are when we're growing we are actually laying down the foundations and risk factors for all of the modern diseases that we know today like heart disease diabetes autoimmune conditions and more and so the research is showing that women that are on a poor diet that have been eating a poor diet are much more likely to birth and I guess deliver but then beyond that um, have children that have a much higher risk for all of those modern diseases and obviously they won't find that out until much later in life. But on the flip side of that, the research also shows that mothers that are conceiving that have good nutrient baselines are actually the risk factor for all of those modern diseases is significantly lower. The fact that those nine months of gestation are potentially nine of the most important months of our entire lives is pretty consequential. And I feel like most people don't know that. They don't really think, like you said, they don't think about their diet until they're really pregnant. For me, what's really, I guess the starting point is, and I often say this to women, they'll come in and they'll say, I'm trying, or they'll say, I'm about to go in for an IVF round, I'm starting next week. And I will often say, how long can you wait? Because you need to do some work, you need to change your diet, you need to incorporate some nutrient-dense foods, you need to manage stress, you need to look at sleep hygiene, and we can go into all of these in more detail in a minute, but you need to take some time. And a lot of the literature is saying that you need to take at least a year if you have it to really bed that down before you even think about conceiving it and obviously as I've said to you Amanda I would argue even longer than that because it takes a long time to really build those nutrient stores in the body most of us have low levels of vitamin d and low iron and all of those other nutrients because we're not eating them I I suppose my starting point with any of my fertility clients is how long have you got Or how long can you bear to wait? Because obviously when women start to think about having a baby, they usually want to be pregnant yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, let's hone in on food then. What would you say, aside from clearing out all the toxic foods and, you know, processed foods and all of that, let's say that's a given, what foods would you say are a must to begin incorporating into a preconception diet? In some people's eyes, this is really radical and hopefully other people have perhaps heard of this. And I suppose my inspiration for all of this is really a particular author and uh, dentist that wrote this amazing book. His name is Dr. Weston A. Price and he wrote this amazing book called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. What he did was he undertook probably the largest observational studies of indigenous tribes and the foods that they were eating and the impact that that has on our health and he did this at a time when it was still possible to do because obviously now there are so few tribes that are really living untouched by in inverted commas civilization and so he traveled to I think it was 22 countries all around the world and he was actually just looking for the perfect health diet And what he observed was that every single tribe that he visited, and they were in totally diverse locales, so there was, uh, he studied the Inuit in Alaskan area, he studied 
the Arctic, thank you. He studied the Maasai in Africa and a couple of other African tribes. He studied the Aboriginals here in Australia, the Maori in New Zealand, a Polynesian island or two, um, even a, a small remote Swiss village, a small Gaelic village, um, and lots of other villages or Indigenous uh, tribes all around the world. And all of them had a really diverse, all of them had really, really diverse diets. Like what they were living on was really dependent on where they were and, you know, what was, um, I guess, seasonal and local to their environment. They all had foods that they fed their young couples that were either wedded or, you know, were hoping to conceive and that they fed their pregnant women and that they fed their breast feeding women and their young children and these were the sacred fertility foods and so I I guess always start with these sacred fertility foods because they are super nutrient dense and they have high concentrations of particular nutrients that are really important in the early months of gestation when the baby's really forming because most of that happens in the first half of the gestational period. The ancient or sacred fertility foods are organ meats, so liver, heart, kidneys, all of these foods that we don't eat anymore, and things like fish eggs and seafood. So the best thing that any woman can do for her fertility is eat organ meats. And obviously they need to be organic here and you know well sourced organ meats have more vitamin c than any of the other fruits and vegetables that so have high vitamin c they also have really high concentrations of things like vitamin a vitamin d vitamin e and vitamin k2 and these are called the fat soluble vitamins and these vitamins are extremely important in the first 12 weeks of gestation they basically help to create that baby and create the strength and placement of all the bones in the skeleton, the craniofacial structure, which determines the beauty of the child really and the health of the teeth, the organ placement and particularly the health of those really important lungs like the heart, uh, really important organs I should say like hearts and lungs. They're just, they're so important and we really are not eating foods that have even remotely high amounts of these essential fat soluble vitamins so that's why they are sacred fertility foods and they're the ones that we should all be eating and you know they're the ones that nobody's eating anymore you know they they are literally the ones that nobody wants to eat and they're you know being fed to our animals or probably being thrown away now okay well i've got two questions here explain this to me i don't understand if the liver is a detoxification organ to my mind that liver in whatever animal it's coming from is full of toxins explain that to me i don't get that so i mean it doesn't have to be the liver it's just that the liver is the one but people always think the liver is like the most nutrient dense yeah it is basically the organs are the most nutrient dense part of any animal and i actually don't know why that is but they, they have the highest concentration of all of the nutrients and our ancestors would always if they killed an animal they would always 
first eat the organs of those animals. That was the first thing that they did because they identified that they did have those higher concentrations of all of the nutrients that they needed and the essential nutrients. Okay. So obviously you want to eat an animal that is not being fed grains, is not eating pesticide-ridden grains um, and is in a shed, let's say. I mean, obviously we have more pastured animals here, but, you know, obviously a, a, a toxic animal is not going to have a healthy organ. So that is a really important point. So it's why it's really important to have like super high quality organic organ meats. Yes. And then the other... Okay, second question. Yes. How do you consume these said organ meats? (laughs) You personally. (laughs) So me personally, I eat it two ways. So, and these are the ways that I encourage my female fertility clients because obviously they are probably similar to me in that they haven't eaten organs their whole life and have you know somewhat of an aversion to a lot of the different types of organs they could be eating so I typically eat pate which I either make or I buy organic made with just butter because a lot of the pates in fact all of the pates that you buy from the store now have margarine in them so a pate that I've made or purchased Mm. from my special butcher who makes them and secondly I also take some dehydrated liver capsules and I do that and I give those to Raphael as well and they are obviously a bit of a helpful solution to people like you Mandy who just don't want to eat those organ meats so that's that's the way. That Would you say if someone can wrap their head around eating the actual organ, it has a much better kind of bioavailability or are they much the same, having the captions? I don't – I can't speak with any authority from a research perspective here, but just intuitively, obviously, like anything, what does our body – how does our body, you know, absorb nutrients – better from a food or from a supplement fresh is best <laughs> yeah our body knows what to do with the organ meats it's been eating it for millennia so mm. you know if you really if you're really committed to getting i always say eating the fat soluble vitamins is like putting all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle that is your baby together in the right way. That is literally what those fat soluble vitamins are doing. They're making sure that the jigsaw puzzle has four square edges and that all the bits in, in the, in the inside are all joining together properly. I know that's a weird analogy, but that's just. No, I think that's a cool analogy. I like, I like that. That makes sense to me. And the thing (laughs) is, the thing that's important to know is that everything happens in the first 12 weeks of gestation. So, you know, like it's obviously things happen after that, but like most of that jigsaw puzzle putting together stuff to, you know, simplify it, all of that's done by 12 weeks. So Mm -hmm. to the degree that someone is deficient in any nutrient, essential, you know, fertility nutrient, that will potentially compromise that baby and what we know from developmental origins theory is that we may not know until much later in their life. Mm. So you're, you know, I just think it's so, 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 so important. So are there any other 
sacred fertility foods that we should know about or is that kind of the main so there are a couple of others so like i said there's seafood um again i guess a bit of a contentious food um and i think the reason for the seafood is the essential epa and dha which are those omega-3s that are only bioavailable Mm -hmm. when they come from a marine source you cannot get yeah. those from your plant-based omega-3 like your chia seeds or flax seeds or any of those. They don't actually have EPA and DHA that's bioavailable. So yeah. I guess the best sources would be your fish fish roe, fish eggs, caviar, bring it on, um, and things like oysters, um, shellfish. This is sounding kind of like kind of luxurious we're having pate we're having caviar we're having oysters (laughs) totally i know so again you know um small fish that um don't have a lot of mercury and hopefully aren't farmed and things like oysters are probably good because they are, are pretty clean even if they're farmed and again the fish eggs if you can get them and then the other one that's probably one that I don't really talk about as much is raw milk so that was another one controversial yeah yeah exactly I just think I'm not I just I'm not into dairy I'm not into milk even if it's raw but the reason that raw milk is a fertility food is because it's got all those fat soluble vitamins in it so once you pasteurize milk you're basically um heating it to a temperature that basically kills a lot of those nutrients so that's why um it's raw milk and i guess using an example of one of the tribes the maasai so when the maasai tribes would um marry they would drink a diet of nothing but cow's blood and cow's raw milk that was like their post wedding diet and they were <laughs> the thing that I didn't say is that the the work of Western A Price. So the book is worth getting, and obviously we'll put it in the show notes, and it's going to be my recommendation. But so he basically went to all of these tribes and the ones that were living on their natural diet, and he was like, "Oh my god, these people are so amazingly healthy!" And because he was a dentist, he studied their craniofacial structure, which is basically the shape of their jaw, the wideness of their jaw, their arches, and the straightness of their teeth, and basically the whole shape of their face. And they were all really beautiful. They all had perfectly straight teeth without any dental intervention at all. And they were all really healthy and robust and strong. And all the women conceived easily and had no problem laboring and delivering their babies. And the babies were all pretty chilled and all of these amazing things. So these were all the healthy tribes. So they all looked like this, regardless of what their varied diets were. But he also found neighboring tribes that had had exposure to what he called at the time, um, I guess, processed foods, which bears no resemblance to the processed foods that we have today. But it was basically white sugar, white flour and vegetable oil. And all of these tribes that had had exposure to these um, processed foods, they were all significantly less healthy. So within um, one generation of them consuming these just white flour, white sugar and some vegetable oil, all of their teeth had started to fall out. They were filled with cavities. They had no Mm. cavities, 
no cavities at all before. They started getting crooked teeth. Like you should see all the photos in this book. It's amazing. Everybody should buy it and have a look. But even if you just Google it and have a look online. So they, you know, all these crooked teeth, their mouths were filled with crooked teeth. They had really narrow jaws and narrow um, sinal cavities and um, they had a lot more health issues. They had more problems labouring because the shape of the jaw is closely aligned to the shape of the pelvis. So women were starting to have trouble with childbirth and um, having babies and mothers die during childbirth and just um, babies were a lot more... um, less happy and 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 basically he could see a very vast difference in the health and robustness of these tribes just over or just over that sort of short period of time having exposure to what today is you know not that bad comparatively to what we're Mm. it's pretty conclusive as a as an observation it's only such an an interesting study but it's pretty it's pretty conclusive and that is what I practice amongst other things which we might go into if we have time in this episode but you know the food part and really trying to eat a really nutrient-dense diet was the foundation for me in I think rehabilitating my menstrual cycle and certainly in preparing my body for ultimately conceiving Raphael and this is what I teach all of my fertility clients obviously there's lots of other things about removing inflammatory foods and things but you know this i've seen this help dozens and dozens of women conceive healthy babies and and even have you know the labor that they wanted and so you know it's um it's an observational study and my work is i suppose personal and anecdotal but, um, yeah, I really I, I have seen some really profound fertility stories as a consequence of it. Yeah, so many. I remember when we were doing the workshops and, you know, time would pass and we would learn like months later that so many women that attended those workshops had conceived and, you know, gone on to have healthy babies. It was just like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, definitely. So most of the time, every time I run that workshop, I think about – 40 to 50 percent of attendees are conceiving pretty shortly thereafter so that's good and it's really great that women are willing to are open and willing to embrace you know some of this ancient wisdom in conjunction with you know some of the you know modern advances that we have around this stuff. So, Mandy, obviously I have been chit-chatting away a lot in this episode but I I guess I want to sort of shift over to you for a minute because I'm really interested in where this segues over to Ayurveda and and what you have learned about fertility from an Ayurvedic perspective. Well, it's quite cool actually because a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, of course, marries up perfectly with the teachings from Ayurveda and what we often teach in prenatal yoga and stuff like that. Oh gosh, I mean there's so much as well. I guess Ayurveda has more of an emphasis just like you do on the preconception phase, even more than pregnancy and the the focus is on first of all detoxing so generally the recommendation is a three-month cleanse and then that's followed by a three-month period of rejuvenation and restoring the body and nourishing the body in optimal way so like you said those nutrient-dense foods that's a general recommendation and that's going back you know six months pre-conception but 
ideally, like you said as well, the period that we're really prepping the body and, as we call it, the field for conception goes stretches back even longer than that. You know, a year or two years would be amazing. But Ayurveda also places an equal importance on the men and the woman. So the health of both partners is considered to be equally important, which I think is really interesting as well because it kind of comes back to this balance of masculine and feminine energy and, you know, seeing that both are essential in the optimal creation of a new family and a new a new life. Well, you know, like, sorry to interrupt you, but Weston A. Price was also observing that it was it was both the men and the women that were actively engaged in the preconceptive diet so and 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 beyond and and certainly in my workshops I always talk to everything that I have spoken to in the workshop relates to the partner because it's a 50-50 equation especially at the beginning you know once the baby is conceived then obviously responsibility is on the mother but you know the men also definitely need to have a clean body to create that ultimate healthy baby yeah and then I would I would even argue that during pregnancy it's also equal responsibility to the man for of course he's not controlling the nutritional intake but he is playing a huge part in creating a safe and supportive environment for the mother and the baby so that's seen as equally important and as always in Ayurveda we're not just looking at the physical level of things we're looking at the emotional and the mental layers of things as well and they're you know super important considered to be just as important as the food that we're putting into the body definitely and I mean there's so much more that both of us could probably say about I mean when I work with women around fertility and I'm sure it's the same with you Mandy with Ayurveda which is you know I feel like the same philosophy pretty much and it's why I love it so much so much more than the diet you know it's important to manage stress levels it's important to balance cortisol and melatonin the sleep hormone it's important to nurture your body spiritually it's important to be mindful of movement there's so many other factors and I think that's exactly the same as the Ayurvedic and probably traditional Chinese medicine perspectives which I also love as a preconceptive practice. So the challenges that we often come up against is firstly stress that's kind of the main thing and that's a whole another conversation in itself And then it's also about timing. So in Ayurveda, a lot is taught about trusting the divine timing and trusting the timing of the soul. And I think especially in the Western world, we get really, really tied up in knots about our perfect timing and, you know, when and when and how and, oh, God, it's like such a such a big kind of pressure that women put on themselves so that's definitely a thing what do you see as your kind of main challenges that come up for women and men I feel like the biggest challenge is the modern world that we live in and I feel like it ties into what you were saying about the stress um, and obviously timing sort of segues or intersects with that because the stress of you know it not happening can be enough to stop it ironically from happening and you know we didn't even talk about 
stress and stress hormones and managing that. But, you know, we live in, you know, this life where or this, you know, world where there is a glorification of busy, we're hyper-stimulated, we've got a million devices around us, we're doing more than we've ever done as a species and as women and that is just absolutely counterproductive to fertility because it's you know from a more spiritual perspective you know we're so in the yang energy we're so in the masculine energy that we're not even in the yin which is the receiving energy which is the energy that ultimately we need to be in in order to allow that being to come into our body and then from a more scientific perspective you know cortisol uh, suppresses progesterone and estrogen at the various times of the cycle that they're really essential for conception and I honestly think that a lot of my female clients that are struggling to conceive um, if they really committed to bringing their cortisol levels down it would have the most profound influence on their ability to conceive but you know, yeah. life doesn't allow for that. You know, it would in some cases potentially mean changing their job or, you know, letting go of a lot of their obligations and that is so incredibly challenging. So for me, that that life, that westernised, industrialised glorification of busy life is the real, is the biggest, biggest challenge. And there's a couple of other ones that I wanted to touch on but I feel like we could possibly do another episode on this. Let's do another episode. Fertility part two. Stay tuned. We've got to do it. There's way too much more to talk about. We usually do some recommendations at the end. So can you remind us again what the book by Western A. Price is called? Yes. Yeah, so I my recommendation for this particular episode is going to be a book by Dr. Western A. Price. Obviously, we'll link to it in the show notes and it's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration. It's a really interesting read and even if you don't read it cover to cover you can open it and flick through it and look at some really striking photos that just a picture tells a thousand words in in the case of this work um so that I think that's can you post some pictures on your stories this week yes I will do that for you um and there is one other book that I will recommend for anyone thinking about preconceptive diets and it is called the nourishing traditions book of baby and child care by sally fallon and that is also look you don't need to follow that as strictly as she would have you follow it because her diet is fairly extreme but it gives you really great solid foundational information it debunks some of the silly myths out there around vitamin a toxicity and stuff that we can go into in the next episode that we do on fertility but um it's a really good foundation and gives some really really solid advice about everything from preconception right through the pregnancy and beyond so it's a really really helpful book what about you i am going to recommend you my dear so if anyone is looking to work with balancing out hormones or fertility in particular, I would highly recommend working with Sarah one-on-one. She is a godsend. And, yeah, I totally think that one of your purposes in life is to help bring healthy babies and support healthy mums. I feel like that's just your sole purpose shining through, one of them anyway. So if you want to be hooked up with Sarah, Links in the show notes, of course. Oh, awesome. So I think that's a wrap. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Elevate. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. For any further updates with me, you can come along and follow me at Instagram. I'm at at Shopkins Health. And if you'd like to stay tuned with me throughout the week, I'm at yoga underscore alchemy on Instagram. And what we would love right now is if you can hit subscribe, leave us some stars, leave us a few words, any questions or feedback we love to read. So keep it coming and have an amazing day.